0: to Misunderstood, the podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. What you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. Last episode, we talked about the unexpected gifts of hardship. I hope it helped us all to remember to look for the gifts and growth opportunities within the challenges we face. Today, I'm joined by a dear friend in our shared MS community, the incredible Mr. Aaron Carey. And I'll use our gratitude section of today's episode to tell you a little bit about him before we jump into our discussion. You know those special people in your life, the ones that you feel a magnetic pull towards the first time you meet them, the ones who always leave you feeling energized after spending time with them, the ones that get you giddy with anticipation each time you know you get to see them, the ones who lovingly support you through life to show you there's always another way to navigate challenges. The ones who exemplify authentic positivity and seem to glow with goodness and gratitude. The ones you can truly talk with about anything and everything, even those deepest and darkest of topics we don't typically share. The ones where time seems to stand still and you spend hours together that feels like only a few minutes have passed. The friendships where you can lovingly hold up a mirror for each other to help each other see your strengths and areas for potential growth. This, my friends, is Aaron Carey. I'm so grateful he's here with us today because I really wanted you, dear listeners, to get to experience his wisdom in terms of how he lives each day with intention and truly exemplifies what it takes to live well with MS. While this kind of friend has always held a special place in my heart, and I've been fortunate to have several by my side on my life journey, when we live with an ongoing challenge like MS, it becomes even more critical to have people in our lives like this, in our front row, cheering us on along the way. It's such a blessing to have a friend like Aaron to journey with. I first met Aaron almost two years ago, although it feels like much longer given the depth of relationship we now share. When our friendship was still relatively new, he was a participant in my first PQ Positive Intelligence cohort before I launched the program solely for folks living with MS. Because the nature of the PQ Mental Fitness program encourages us to dig deep and express very personal aspects of self with vulnerability, like our unique saboteurs and the destructive voice of our inner critic, we got to know each other very well, very quickly. And the more I got to know Aaron, the more solidified our friendship became. And we realized more overlap in our lives than either of us anticipated. To be so deeply understood and cared for by Aaron has been and continues to be a very precious gift. In the relatively short time we've known each other, Erin has blessed my life in many ways. While I've always been oriented towards optimism, Erin has deepened my understanding in terms of optimism as a deliberate choice and not in a toxic positivity sort of way, which we'll talk about today. Together, we've explored many topics, the challenges and gifts of living with chronic illness and disability, explorations into ego, the source of all human suffering, a concept called woundology by author Carolyn Miss, PhD, and how mindset can hinder our ability to heal. We've also explored avenues of spiritual growth and personal enlightenment, the critical nature of having a strong life purpose and embracing some aspect of creativity the importance of rest as resistance, our most recent book club read, as a tool to dismantle both grind culture and the toxic systems and structures of white supremacy culture that continue to support and advance all the isms that make life more difficult to navigate, like racism, sexism, ableism, and so on. Aaron Carey is one talented dude. Folks who show up to Misunderstood Flock Meetings and the Saturday Social Support Group will all agree without question that Aaron is sunlight in human form. He always has something to offer to bring joy to our days. And Aaron is also an incredibly talented artist who uses his art as not only a creative outlet, but as a way to transmute hardship into something positive. He's also a published author of a beautiful children's book, you can find all of Aaron's art at aaroncarry.com, his Etsy shop, or connect with him on Instagram. Without further ado, let's listen in on our conversation. Okay, I have here with me today one of my favorite people on this planet, Aaron Carey. Thanks for being hey. here. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to just chat with you. Um, Again, you're just one of my favorite people to hang out with. So we're just going to have a conversation today. We're going to find out a little bit about you. And we're going to talk about just a lot of the things that you and I talk about. Uh, Some of them that have to do with MS, some of them that don't, but they're all somehow related. And uh, I just hope everyone really enjoys this conversation and gets to enjoy this time with you. So welcome.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you
0: start off with just telling us a little bit about you who is Aaron Carey
1: who is Aaron Carey a relatively silly cat that just likes to bob and weave through the world laugh a little bit I love music I love laughter I love good vibes good people simple man I think I think that pretty much covers it
0: love it I often think of you as sunshine in human form
1: Ah. Uh...
0: So let's, let's start, let's dive right in and let's start talking about uh, what we really have in common, which is we both live with MS. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your life and your journey to diagnosis. And just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, My journey to diagnosis. So I was diagnosed when I was 22. It was a year after I graduated from the grand illustrious University of California Santa Barbara (laughs) Uh, but yeah it was it was it was crazy because like I was I did a lot of physical stuff like I was I danced I did martial arts so a lot of the things that I had done through my life at that point was based off of my physical ability so when I was diagnosed or first started noticing symptoms like I didn't have any answers. The internet wasn't what the internet is today. So trying to find those answers was a little bit, diff- little bit difficult. Uh, I probably went to five. I mean, at the time it was like free clinics because at the time, if you were 21 and you graduated from college, like you didn't have, you weren't on anybody's insurance. You're forced to have your own insurance. So I went from being hundred percent healthy I'm graduating college at 21, and now I'm on my own with no insurance trying to find out why my leg is dragging or why the toes on my feet aren't moving or why half my face is paralyzed or, you know, whatever. So, um, after many a failed attempts at trying to find out what's happening, like I thought that it was I hurt myself or something. Uh, but when I finally did see a doctor that was, able to see what was happening. And, you know, when they hit you under your knee for reflexes, (laughs) this doctor hits me under my knee and my leg just flies up. And it's just like uncontrollably flailing around the the room It felt like, and he was just like, oh, this this is a neurological situation. So many tests, uh, many tests. And, you know, I don't think I had any idea of what I was really into or what was really happening because I was 100% healthy just a second ago. And now like, I can't even walk across the room. Um, But all this stuff is happening while it's, I mean, in my my life, I'm trying to find a job because I just graduated from school. I mean, I have a relationship, but my girlfriend at the time is still in Santa Barbara there's all these things happening and I'm going through all these tests and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the crazy thing is with my diagnosis, all that stuff happened. Like 9-11, my diagnosis and what they said to me when I was diagnosed, all happening at the same time, kind of just through life it just threw like life into this perspective for me where I didn't really have time to grieve what I'm losing or potentially losing. And it just forced me to focus on like the good of things, you know, so I kind of felt shoved into that, but at the same time, like my friends still love me. I still felt loved by, I didn't feel, I didn't feel away by my friends or my family or anything like that, so. I feel like I had a pretty good support system in the midst of all the crazy shit that was happening in my body, but ultimately, what started my whole mission or my whole journey with MS uh, sprinkled my my uh, my life in a way with with the blessing of just being able to look at like what's what's good, you know, versus like what's what's wrong because. as devastating as as it is for things to go wrong or as devastating as they were when they started, like that's just once upon a time, right? And then before you know it, you're a year into it, and then you're two years into it. And like two years into this journey, like I couldn't have the same mindset that I did upon my diagnosis, because now I have two years of experience with this. So I could be wallowing in all the shit that's wrong but like, I didn't think that that really helped me internally. So as a result, I've been bobbing and weaving through this world ever since with an extreme amount of gratitude, regardless of how difficult it is physically and, you know, mentally. Like it's it's tough, don't get me wrong, but fucking life is tough for everybody. You know, whatever your whatever your thing is, like we're all dealing with something, this just happens to be one of those things.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, sir. You know, you uh, you mentioned that in your younger years you danced a lot and you did martial arts, and um, I want to take a moment to just dive a little deeper because that wasn't really a casual thing for you that you dabbled uh-huh. in. Can we take a moment to just celebrate those successes that you experienced in your early life? Bow, 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 bow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: celebrate those moments. Yeah, like it's, I recognize all those moments as like great things, you know, like I started martial arts when I was six, so like first grade and martial arts, my education with school and my education with martial arts all started at the same time, you know, my brother got picked on for being small, he was like two years older than me and we're like the same size, so you know and as a younger brother like I was a little bit more rough around the edges already so like you know fight yeah let's fight I like that you know but yeah that's the genesis of it all you know basically being a partner for my brother so that my brother didn't have to do martial arts by himself at least that's what my my pops tells me so
0: nice yeah. and you are good at it right like You have the trophies, you have the accolades. And I I understand that's not something that, you know, you often talk about, but I think it's important for listeners to know that at this point in your life, when MS came into your life, you were really successful physically.
1: Sure. And that's, but that's like, man, it feels so long, I guess with all this, all this life after the fact, yes. And I appreciate the acknowledgement. Um, but it's the reason why, like, I look at you know teenagers who are killing it, or if you're in college and you're doing all these things and you're killing, like, I support that. You know, like a lot of young folks get a lot of backlash from older folks about the new shit that they're doing, and I really love it because it's like, yo, this is when you're at your creative top, you know, or maybe even physical top, or or whatever is happening. Like the things older folks aren't going to understand. Like, I lean into what they do creatively because, like, it was the same shit for me when I was 22. bunch of 40 pluses, 50 pluses, whoever counted, right? They're just like, ah, oh, what you do, you don't know nothing. You're only 22. So, like, I always remember feeling like, you know, there's always those haters, but, like, I'm not going to be that because I feel like a lot, of, a lot of what we think we know is older folks and the judgments we make on younger folks really stifles how they can help us. You know what I mean? And I feel like that young energy with that new shit, like I can appreciate that because it comes from a plate. It comes from a different energetic space. And I I appreciate that about that, so.
0: Absolutely. And we are gonna talk about judgment later. (laughs) But let's so so you went from being this person that, you know, man, a lot of the things that you created, for example, in life had a very physical physicality to them. And then, you know, you also talk about not letting this diagnosis stop you and being a creator. And, you know, let's take a few minutes to talk about some of the things that have really changed for you since your diagnosis. For example, being an artist and an author. Talk to us about that how that came to be.
1: Um, I think once upon a time uh, you couldn't hold me down in one spot. Like I just, Aaron sitting down in one spot is not happening. You know, so um, I don't know. Like it forced me to to sit with myself. You know, like I'm I'm going through all these things internally, emotionally, because of how drastic. Like you go from being able to do like backflips or kicks or whatever, right? To not even being able to like move your toes is pretty, is pretty drastic. And when you're like faced, you have a bunch of questions and because MS is like got scars on your brain or your spine or wherever is affecting your movement or mobility or thoughts, like it's a case by case basis. So your doctors can't even tell you if you're gonna be okay. They can't tell you really what's happening. All they can do is monitor this, scan this, take a, you know, and there's no, there's no answers for it. So I think being super young in a space where I already had questions about what does this mean for my life? I mean, I remember asking my neurologist at the time, am I going to be able to walk again? Right. And her answer wasn't yes. It was, well, we'll see. We're going to do these type of things. Right. And what, whatever they were solumedrol treatments or infusions or whatever like it solved something for a short period of time who knows what the long-term effects were right but like at 22 I've known nothing but to be able to walk so when I can't walk like I want to immediately walk without even thinking that I'm going to live forever or I'm only 22 and I can do this shit until I can walk That's not how it works when you're being pumped with a bunch of meds or whatever, but all that to say, it forced me without the concrete answers of what to do next to really sit with myself and understand how I was feeling about what I was going through and what was it about me not being able to move or my body not responding anymore? Like, What was it about all those things that I had a problem with? Like, What's the worst? about it, right? Like it's all these things, but at the same time, when I'm being diagnosed, my neurologist is just like, well, we have good news. And I'm just like, okay, so what's the good news? I'm gonna be able to walk? No, that's not the good news. The good news is we thought you had ALS, in which case you would die in three to five years. It's just like, what the fuck did you just say? You know what I mean? So to to hear that and to say what you have is MS, where you can live a semi-normal lifestyle it's like well thank god at least that i get to live right so who am i to complain about that i have this ms when i didn't even realize that i was being tested for these other things that would have sort of excuse me certainly shortened my life you know what i mean so it changed my life immediately in that sense but to have that kind of perspective and then be able to sit with myself and really do inventory on my fears, on my loves, you know, like what's negotiable, what's not negotiable, you know, like it's, it's tough because like I was in a relationship at the time um, that felt like it got stronger in the immediate short term, right? Because it's just like, oh. There's medicine, and this is improving this situation, but like it didn't cure me, right? Which ended up being more weight on the relationship. And when you're talking to somebody in their early 20s about, hey, are you okay with being a partner to this person who's physically, who knows, you know, falling apart, let's call it, because that's what the perception is, you know, like, are you going to be able to hold that together emotionally? in your early 20s she Mid 20s she like we're talking about 20s like it's not nah, you know so a part of me felt bad about even trying to keep a relationship while feeling that way but again it's it's of all the things that you're going through you know that you're going to have like uh, symptoms or whatever's happening like what's causing these symptoms what's exacerbating these symptoms and I had to take inventory on all these things where it's just like well maybe a relationship isn't the best thing for what I'm dealing with you know and then later on finding out that I probably have this diagnosis as a result of not acknowledging my emotions in the first place you know so so there's
0: there's that piece of it yeah Thank you for sharing that because, you know, those of us, I mean, you have now lived with MS for quite some time and, and, um, I was diagnosed later, but I've lived with it for a while too. And at the beginning, I didn't realize just what a big piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. these emotions are, um, yeah. for sure. And you talk about doing that inventory. Um, talk to us just a little bit more about that. What would you say to someone who's like, what, like, how do I do that?
1: Uh, Well, I guess with all the work that I've done up to this point, I mean, and it's big now, right, is mindfulness, where you're like, you can quiet yourself to a degree where you can hear what you're saying to yourself, or it's like a self-monitoring type of situation. It's like, what is is your self-talk like? You know what I mean? Like, what does it sound like? Who's, Who's talking back to you in your head, and what are they saying? I
0: do want to, at some point, talk about your, your, uh, your art and your writing, but since our conversation has led us here, let's just take it and let's talk about, we went through a program, Positive Intelligence by shirzad Chameen together. Yeah. And I think for me, at least this is something that really deepened our friendship. And, you know, we're talking about who has, who's holding the mic in your head talk to us a little bit about that in that in that context of taking that personal inventory
1: oh wow okay um okay so i kind of view life as like a cartoon like looney tunes right like it's in our head there's i don't i think it's a disney movie what's the inside i don't know what it's called but like the emotional where you have somebody running you have anger you have like these things right and in the pq like you have these different saboteurs and these voices and it's just like who's speaking which who's speaking is it your sage speaking it's all wise and speaks from a place of love and all this or is it this saboteur that's worried is it this saboteur that's the victim Is it this saboteur that's hyper rational like who's holding the mic you know because sometimes we make these decisions and I'm sure you've heard about this. When you make an emotional decision, usually it doesn't tend to be the best decision, right? Like, and it's for no other reason than you're acting out of emotion and emotions aren't rational, right? So it's, it's just being, being aware of, of the voice in my head that's holding the mic and what this character is saying. You know, I got Daffy Duck holding the mic. I got Sylvester holding it, Bugs. Who's holding the mic? You know, um, yeah. Is it like, Eeyore?
0: You know, a lot of Eeyore? us that live with chronic yeah. illness, we have an yeah. Eeyore voice, right?
1: Yeah, it's just like, uh, hey. yeah, it's just, wah, wah, wah. yeah. So I think being being cautious or conscious of that is is how I look at it, and I and I think it's a lot easier. It's super easy to see. I guess the more therapy you do the more internal work that you do like you can see it in other people you can see what they tell themselves like they'll tell you what they tell themselves like it's you know like I love I have some family members that I love but like they can't squeak a sentence out of their mouth without saying what isn't you know what I mean it's like oh this isn't this this isn't that and it's just like why is the focus on what isn't what is like what's the affirmative statement right like and I like to think of myself as somebody who can affirm who likes to affirm things versus speak from a place of like lack and just want like is this I can't create anything from lack you know what I mean like it's and as a creator like I want I want to create some dope shit and like you can't create dope shit from a want want place
0: <laughs> no that deficit mindset right is right. and let's pull judgment into that now because Shazad, the creator of pq um believes and i believe as well that almost all of our hardship starts with judgment either judgment of self judgment of others or judgment of life circumstances right so what do you have to say about judgment
1: uh i would say um I never went to law school a day in my life. I'm not equipped or qualified to judge anybody, let alone myself, right? I can use discernment, but like, judgment just feels like, it feels like a black hole of like, no return. Like you're not gonna get any kind of ROI on the judgment, at least nothing, in my opinion, that's worth, that that you can build or grow from. So, I try not to be judgmental. It's It took a while, right? Because I grew up in a household that everything is a judgment. Like this isn't this, this isn't that, what whatever, right? So a part of the reason why I'm an artist is because it's like F the world, like I'm tired of being bound by what you think or your judgment on what I'm able or capable of doing, yada, yada, yada. But I also find that we do that to ourselves more than we do it to others. So I'm just... I'm very aware of self-destructive self-talk, you know what I mean? Like I just, if I if I feel a way or if I start hearing myself talk about what's not gonna be or I don't feel good or I don't, it's like I catch myself in those moments and okay, if this is how I feel, how do I wanna feel, right? Where I can have something that's actionable Because if I do feel bad, which oftentimes happens when you have MS, you have real bad feelings. There's real bad feelings associated with it. Um, But what I like to do is identify those particular feelings. And then if it's hard for me me to get to a space of I want to feel this way, then if I can identify what these bad feelings are, then the quick fix is to just identify the opposite of what that feeling is and then be mindful about that put on some music, scribble, paint some pictures and get to that space where like I'm in a positive space of creation. And I have proof that I created some dopeness, maybe while not feeling the best.
0: Love that. So scribbles, we talked about characters and giving these voices in our head names. And then you just shared that sometimes one of the strategies you use to help yourself turn things around is these scribbles. Talk to us about your scribbles.
1: Ah, uh, my fatty bee scribbles. Um, well, it's my scribble. They're basically like it's, I don't want to say it's a mindless exercise because it isn't. Um, but it's just generally, it's an exercise to start creating something without necessarily having anything in mind to create. The purpose is to create. There's no judgment on what you're creating but you're just creating and everything starts with a scribble, right? Like this, it's easy to draw when you're not judging yourself on what you're drawing, right? Like every kid that I come across who has had a pencil or a crayon or whatever, they're like, oh yeah, I can draw this. Look, you know, it's just like tens of thousands of pieces of paper with like simple drawings, but they're not judging themselves, right? As soon as I draw a picture, they see me draw a picture after a certain age where they feel like my picture is better than theirs, then all of a sudden they don't want to draw anymore or they're judging themselves on how their picture looks next to mine when that's not the point, right? The point is to create, it's not to judge your creation. Like you never know where the dope shit's going to come from, but eventually you just have to start creating the dope shit. You know what I mean? Like it's, you can judge it if you want, but like your judgment on what you like isn't necessarily the next person's judgment on what they like. So for me to keep my emotional balance, I'm just gonna start scribbling and create something because just like positive thoughts, just like negative thoughts, the more you build on positive thoughts, the bigger that positive picture gets. The more you scribble and build on negative thoughts, the more those negative, the bigger those negative thoughts get. So for me, like scribbling is just a positive affirmation of creating something from nothing with the intention of creating something in a positive mindset. Because once upon a time, they said that what I created wasn't art. So that's fine. It doesn't have to be art. Let it be fatty, be scribbles and see the dopeness that can come out of that.
0: Wow, once upon a time. Yeah, so let's once go back to time that time. time. Let's hey. talk about how you got into art how i mean you you obviously ended up having it be a a tool really that's helped you so much in your life but my understanding is when you were younger busy with doing a lot of other things you weren't necessarily an artist in the same way you're an artist now so talk to us about how you got into that
1: um i like to draw but like you know my brother was better a better draftsman my dad was, you know, I'm the youngest. So like I had the least abilities of all the people that could do the creative things. Um, but I liked it. And then I applied to go to UCLA's art school when I was in high school, even though I only had like one or two art classes and uh, they were like, nah. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't go that route. Um, and then when I finally took an art class at UCSB, they said what I did wasn't art. It was was cartoons. And at that point, it was just like, well, then F your art class, you know? So it wasn't until five years after I graduated from college that I started to pick up a paintbrush. Um, But that was because I still like to create. I'm still the kid that likes to create. Maybe the result of what I was creating wasn't the best, but I still like to create. Right. And as a hip hop kid who used to do all the dancing, like, I like the graffiti stuff too, you know, so there's like this part of me that has like this graffiti-esque type taste, right? But like, I'm a professional now. I can't spray on anybody's buildings, not with a disability. I'm not running away from anybody with that right? (laughs) So... I mean, all these things are just like personal creative ventures over time where it just became, let me pick up a canvas from Michaels or Aaron Brothers at the time and, you know, have this cheap bottle of acrylic paint, Liquitex, whatever it was, right? It wasn't expensive, but the more I started slapping that shit on canvas, the more that process started to to show itself to me. And then I feel like in turn it allowed me to show myself to me, right? Like I was able to see who I was through struggling with paint on campus because it wasn't like I could draw. I wasn't given any like credit that I could draw when I was in school. Like my peers are just like, oh, you can draw. But if I were to look back at those pictures, they're pretty shitty, right? (laughs) But in terms of like the actual journey on canvas, um, it was frustrating. Like it didn't look how I wanted it to look immediately. And, you know, it took a lot of conversations with self about what I wanted it to look like on canvas. And with those conversations with self about how I want these paintings to look on canvas, it became like, well, who are you, right? Like I've been to a point where I was celebrated for what I can do. But now with all this stuff happening with the MS, it's just like, well, who are you, you know? It's like now that it's not a, hey, Aaron's doing this or he's performing this or whatever, right? It's who am I? So I think learning about myself and who I was and just being able to stick through what was difficult to the point where that became the piece was, I don't know, cracking these codes. Um, in the midst of my own mind and struggles with slapping paint on canvas
0: beautiful and as a, an appreciator of your art I can see your values shining through in your art so for example you wrote a children's book
1: hey. and
0: it has just the most beautiful powerful message for children and i'd love for you to share a little bit about your children's book that you've written
1: uh buggy Bear's big idea um it's it's a book about an undersized bear you know with oversized belief in himself um and i think we've all been to a place where we feel like we can't do something or or at least other people don't believe we can do the things and um buggy bear is basically like the guy the little bear that's just like if i believe in myself then i definitely can do it right i believe i will i believe i can and the way he affirms himself um to accomplishing his dreams is is where it's at so that's my guy
0: beautiful I mean, all my understanding is you used to share this book with elementary school children tell us a little bit about that
1: uh yeah i've gone to a couple of schools over the years, read to the students. I have a big-ass book. Um, But yeah, it's, it's just really, I don't know, like when I wrote it, I think my nephew was two years old at the time. And because his dad, my older brother, was, you know, folks thought we were twins, even though he's two years older than me. So I was a little bit bigger. He was smaller right um but i know how much it bothered him to be small or or how other people felt about him because he wasn't physically large you know um and when my nephew came into this world i was just like i want him to have something where it doesn't matter how big you are you can still accomplish everything that you want i mean my brother all these years after the fact he's done very well for himself his physical size in first grade or third grade or whatever grade it is, you know, didn't stunt him from his personal growth. So I'm grateful for that. But I think, I think a lot of us uh, feel like we're not capable or able for whatever reason. So Buggy Bears, he exists to kind of shake that out of your head at an early age. It's for kids of all ages, but yes.
0: Love it. I I certainly love the book. It's it's amazing. I wish uh-huh. I had that and known you back when I was teaching because certainly would have shared that with my class. Uh, now tell me a bit too about your art because I also want to acknowledge that you have some MS struggles in your hands. How does that play into your art? And you know, you haven't let that be a barrier for you. So talk to us a little bit about how you do that.
1: Oh, wow. Um, how do I do it? <laughs> what
0: do you What do you feel, for example? what are the the m s related struggles that you have with your hands and painting or drawing?
1: Okay. so basically, you know my my hand once upon a time, I was very good with all the things in my hands, like I have keyboards, you know, like musically like artistically I have stuff that's music related um because of my journey with music but basically like it's hard for me to uh hold a pencil now with my dominant hand it's crazy to say my dominant hand but probably 10 years ago I stopped having feeling in my my right hand my dominant hand at the time and like I would drop pens and paint brushes and all these things and then i started to basically like teach myself how to hold the fork with my left hand so then i started eating left-handed 10 years ago Um, i started to teach myself how to paint left hand i don't know for the first time maybe 10 years ago but like i definitely over the pandemic my hand got significantly worse So that's when I really leaned into painting left-handed. So now I'm super comfortable painting left-handed. I still scribble right-handed, paint left-handed. But I think the journey is like it feels it hurts. So my right hand hurts like it feels like it's uh, the palm of my hand is like on fire, right? there's tightness in my arm there's tightness in my shoulder i can't really move my hand in the same way as i could before but what's great about all that shit is that it's super difficult but just forcing myself to draw even though it feels a certain kind of way i have visual proof that regardless of it feeling a certain way i'm still able to execute the task of drawing, right? So it's like I understand when folks are just like, "Oh, I can't do this because this, you know, and it's just like I fucking get it. But also, you can do this if you just do this. You know what I mean? Like it's is as easy as it is not to do it. It's as easy to do it. Like the result may not be what you want, but like Eventually, the results will get there if you continue to show up for yourself in the difficult moments, right? Like what's, what's funny, or it's not even funny, but we all deal with something with this MS and we all have these symptoms. Like some of our legs don't work. But like, I know very few people with MS who have fallen down on the ground and just stayed on the ground, right? Like I just I just don't know that many people who just... Fucking stay there, maybe for a time where you can get your energy back to get back up, but I don't know. Like I almost feel like in a position of privilege facing such difficult times all the time because it forces me to get back up that many more times. It's like I have that many reps of getting up. Sure, I have hella reps of falling down or hella reps of like stuff that's like not comfortable. But like, I have more reps of getting the fuck out of that situation. I'm so bad with this language, I'm so sorry. Getting, getting out of that situation, right? To show up for myself. But like, that's the stuff that builds your self-esteem. Every time I show up for myself in a difficult situation, I'm building points for myself, right? Like I'm gaining confidence in myself and the things that are difficult to build without the adversity. Right. But like I've done it so many times that like I have this huge sense of confidence that in the midst of all this shit that sucks, I'm going to be all right. You know, so.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because every day, every opportunity you have, every hardship you face, you face it with tenacity, right? Perseverance, you're building that resiliency and it has paid off for you.
1: I hope so. It continues to pay off. Like it's just, I don't know. It took me 20 years to find an MS community, right? So walking this world with like this this bliss, ignorance of not knowing what the next person with MS is struggling with, was fine with me. Like I know my struggles, right? Like it's, but I also know able-bodied people who struggle with what they struggle with. And I don't struggle with those things necessarily, right? Does my disability, is my disability worse? I don't think so. Is my physical disability worse than your lack of ability to control your emotions?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is right, like it's it's so subjective. Like what are we really dealing with? You know what I mean? But
0: I- do. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, how do we, after we've encountered this hardship that is MS, that is limiting in some way or another, right? How do we find a way to not let it be limiting in other areas, right? How can we still find a life of purpose and build a life of purpose? And, you know, you and I talk a lot about how we have a choice. Yeah. Right. Like it's yeah. it's a choice. And it sounds like what from what you're saying that every time you're met with a challenge, you could choose to give up and be like, this is hard, this sucks, or yeah. you could choose to move through that pain and create something good out of it.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, I think if as long as we're conscious of what we're creating, you know, that it, it puts us in a good space. I don't think people realize how much uh i don't think a lot of people realize how much good they're creating i also don't think people realize how much like let's call it uh for lack of a better term womp womp they're creating right like bad energy or i think uh because we like to say misery loves company um that people like to Um, associate with other folks who are miserable or commiserate or whatever like it's comfortable for them like it makes makes a lot of people feel better to commiserate for me like I'm just not I've never been good at being uh, sad you know like I've gone don't get me wrong I'm not ignoring my sadness I've gone to plenty of therapy over the years to acknowledge that it's okay to be sad right but like I can I can feel sad but like that's just not that's just not my space of like oh yeah let me go ahead and retreat to my sad corner that's just not it like I smile all the time I can't help it half the shit that's happening in the world I think is pretty funny you know like it's i don't know like we could cry about all the things all the time I've busted my ass in public. I've busted my ass in private and I could cry. I could laugh, you know, if I didn't die, like likely gonna be laughing, you know what I mean? But like, I feel with all these experiences, um, you can really experience true human connection with other folks in those very vulnerable moments, right? Like it may not be ideal to trip in front of a bunch of people. But you start to realize how many people are kind, how many people want to help, how many people really care, you know? I could talk about what sucks, but like that's just that's just not me. I never went to a party to sulk. Not once. <laughs> right? Like it's just
0: hey, um, And you I and I both value it. community, right? And and sharing and swapping story and all of that, but we're we're not there to wallow and just go further and further into the suck, which is another right. term you use from time yeah. to time. And, you know, that's something I just really appreciate about you because when I find that I, when I surround myself with people like you, which I'm trying to to be like that too, you know, that helps me. And so one of the things I really want listeners to know today is that uh, Aaron and I do kind of like, almost like a little book club of sorts right we hey. we share books and we've been on quite a clip ever since we went through the pq program together and yeah. i thought that maybe we could talk just a little bit about um some of these these titles and we don't have to go into great detail but one of the books we read was called why people don't heal and how they can wow. and this artist i mean this this uh this author here you know she talks about a term that was just really struck me woundology um Mm -hmm. and the need that people have to speak in their wounds and how we define ourselves by our wounds Um, and i just i wonder what you have to say about like that concept of woundology
1: uh it's it's one of the most fascinating things i've ever read Um, but she talks about it from a place of people sharing these things these stories of of these places that basically where where these bad situations or whatever it is is the currency right like your story about what it is that you're holding on to is your currency no matter what circle you're in oh well this happened to me and this right so now you have whatever group of people who feel bad about your experience So you feel, you know, you got a little scratch itched by sharing it with this group and they made you feel seen or heard or whatever the case is, right? Because that's your, you know, some folks use their woundology as their currency. Um, And I get it. It makes all the sense. But for me in this MS journey, especially, like it hasn't been new to me in two fucking decades right so it's like i could talk about how through every step there hasn't been one day of the last 22 23 years that i haven't known that i have ms not one day right i don't have the ms that i can forget about or whatever kind it is i don't know where you don't have a relapse or symptoms for x amount of time i have progressively I have whatever progressive MS, right? But it's still not new. Like I may have new symptoms, I may have, but like the root of how I feel about this disease hasn't changed, right? Like it's it still sucks, but like I can't be in the year 2001 talking about how it sucks, it's fucking 2024. You know, like I have, there's so many things that have happened since 2001. People have been born and have been and are full drinking adults at this point in that time. And if they've grown that much, then why haven't I grown? Well,
0: one of the things that blew my mind about this book is she talked a lot about that it, you know, and, and I was guilty of making this assumption that everyone who's wounded wants to recover. And like, of course, I'm like, hell yeah, of course I want, like, I don't want limiting things or the things I am limited in. I'm not going to let them stop me from having a valuable life, but that just blew my mind to think that there are wounded people who don't want to heal.
1: Yeah, because a lot of their identity is wrapped up in the wound, right? So as soon as that wound heals, now they're not going to get that, oh, I feel bad that you have this wound, like they're not going to get that, they're not going to get that back anymore. And some people
0: use it as a crutch. A thousand
1: percent, a thousand percent. Wow. Yeah.
0: And it made me think and reflect honestly about some ways that I have used certain aspects and limitations of MS to help me create some boundaries in my life. Um, that I was really struggling to create. And in a way, some of the MS things I didn't have control over helped me in that area. Um, So, you know, it was a lot of, like you said, self-reflection and taking inventory of the choices I'm making and the thoughts I'm having and how I'm thinking about these debilitating symptoms.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's that relationship with self, that relationship with how you're responding or reacting to the things. I feel like that's that's the key to all this shit, right? Is because you ultimately have to understand yourself because we have these feelings, we have these exacerbations that are, you know, stress induced or whatever, which all comes down to how we're feeling, right? About whatever. So I think the clearer you can get on what moves your emotions, how you respond or how your body's responding. I don't know, like I think there's so many distractions with what's happening with your phone or what's happening on this app or what's happening here there and everywhere. So like it makes it really difficult to get quiet to really hear yourself think or understand what's happening with you. And I just find myself taking more time to to do that personal inventory because if I can't get clear on myself, I'm no good to the next person, right? Because they want to know how I'm feeling. And how are you feeling? It's just like, shitty, you know? it's like, that's not the answer because I really do check in with myself. Like, I'm not dying at this very moment, you know? Like, I still have the ability to smile. I can still see you clearly. Pretty sure stuff is good, you know?
0: I I do. I do. Yeah. And and really what we're talking about here is something else that you and I have talked about a lot, and that's ego. Oh my god. Right? And yeah, and good. one of the books um that I will put in the in the show notes is The Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself, which was the a trip.
1: So mad to read that.
0: Oh. And you had recommended a movie, Revolver, that I watched. Revolver. The,
1: did you I, watch I, it?
0: I did, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely Um, and you know it all comes back to the voices we hear and if we pay attention to them and go with them or not and we have that choice right thoughts are just thoughts until we give meaning and go with them and decide to go down a certain road right Right. and how we are talking about making a decision like i hear this negative thought do i really want to go there or what's the opposite of that right and in the pq program we learned all about going in a sage direction rather than giving in to these saboteurs and i'm just curious to hear how you make sense of ego and how you believe ego plays into just all of this with chronic illness Uh, and life in general
1: so i read a book it was called ego is enemy by ryan holiday i mean i read it so many years ago but there's nobody in the back of your brain when you ask yourself questions that responds, right? Like it's, there's, not, there's, there's no person that holds like a position which is like, hey, and gives you an answer back. Um, but like, I feel like we have these experiences from our past that are informed by other people, whether it be our parents or whatever. So sometimes when you hear a voice like this voice is maybe a parent, maybe it's a teacher, you can't do this, or this, or or there's this judgment, right? Sometimes it's your own voice. Um, But I think if you can identify or separate yourself from your ego, because your ego is going to try to protect you for what, for whatever reason, right? Um, But I think if you start to identify when this voice is your ego versus your own, it gets a lot easier to, to understand what it is that you want, identify what it is that you want, identify who you are, right? Because you are not your ego, you know? And a lot of us are so wrapped up in our ego that we think that that's who we are. But that's where I feel super uh, fortunate for being diagnosed so young, because it's just like, sure, I could do all these things once, but that's not who I was, right? It's what I could do. Um, but it really, I don't know, in, in the journey along the way, I was kind of just forced to sit down with myself and separate my ego from myself so that I can really get to a place where I can love myself. Because you're not going to love your ego, right? No. Like it's so... Uh, I think for me, it was, I have the ability to love others. Receiving love was super difficult, no matter how much the next person wanted to love me. Like, and I don't know if it's, if I felt like I didn't deserve love, like I don't know that so much it, but like I really did have a problem receiving it. And then I had to get to the point where it's just like, what's really the issue, right? Are you trying to be a tough guy? Are you trying to be like, who are you trying to be? Like, who does this benefit? And usually, when it involves your ego, it doesn't necessarily benefit you.
0: So. Oh, no, because the ego is where all of that judgment comes from, right? right. And right. if we can, you know, move beyond that, um, I'm not sure if you've read this one yet. I mentioned this to you falling into grace, insights of the end of suffering. And um. it's, it's all about ego. And how, you know, again, that voice is not actually truly us. It's trying to right. protect us. It, we we want to believe it has the best intentions, right. but it doesn't because it's coming from a, a limited place. And so, right. again, just being able to kind of drown out or, or silence that voice, but realize again that it's, that it's a choice. And then, like you said before, really go deep to your personal values, the things that you think are the most important, and then choosing a path forward and I just see you choosing a positive path forward which is the furthest thing from toxic positivity right because we hear a lot about that too and it's like no we're not glossing over we're acknowledging the pain acknowledging the hurt acknowledging the disability and we're not letting it hold us back hold us down keep us in the suck
1: yeah like nobody wants to stay in the fucking drunk tank all night right like it's Like, I recognize that it's here. I appreciate it for being here at this very moment. But, like, I don't want to stay here.
0: No. So So what would you say to someone who's in, you know, a a pretty dark place right now, just really, really struggling and is thinking, wow, I want to be where Aaron's at. Like, he seems he's in a really good headspace. Like, what what would you advise to someone who just doesn't even know the first step of where to start?
1: Where to start? Oh man, um, I think I think you have to want to start. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to start. Like there's, it's not gonna happen overnight. It's I didn't come twenty plus years of this whole shit. This shit did not happen overnight. Sure, I was sprinkled with like perspective, uh, super early, but it still took like hard conversations with myself. To, to get to this place, you know? Um, but you just, just put one foot in front of the other, just acknowledge that you want to get better. And then, you know, if it helps to write it down of how maybe you can get there, or if you can't figure out how to get there, do what I do with like my scribbles and identify the bad feeling and then just the opposite of that right like identify how you feel reverse engineer it to how you want to feel and then be intentional and mindful in that space like it just takes it takes repetition but it doesn't take a lot right like it's it's easy to do but you have to you have to just go there right a little mental check-in space you know but
0: Oh, you said, you just said the word I was going to say, one of my favorite quotes has something to do with, uh, you, you have to pay attention to the size of your, butt, right. right. And, you and, I, and you and I, we often say like, yes. And instead okay. of yes, but, yeah. um, talk just a little bit about that. The difference between the two.
1: I think, I think, well, the yes, but there's resistance built in already right like you're just you don't realize it it's a it's a subconscious resistance yeah but yeah but like you're there's like a built-in excuse as to why it's not going to work before you say anything um and i heard this when i was younger it's excuses are tools of the incompetent they build monuments of nothingness and those who specialize in them are seldom good at anything else right and that's what i feel about the yeah buts. it's like i've heard the yeah buts but i've lived i've lived i've lived 20 plus years with this debilitating situation and i've proven to myself countless times that yes and is so much there's so much more when you lean into the yes and because what's possible is accessible if you if you're looking out of the right lens right um It may not be how you imagine getting there, but you have to keep the roads to possibility open. You know what I mean? Like, don't be a hater of yourself. It's like, I want to get better. I want to do this. I want to be rid of this. But you're not willing to do like the things that it takes one step at a time. It's like, we want to get rich quick. We want to get healthy today. You know, and I've said this in a couple of our meetings, just like, all right. So we've all been, we all have MS. So if we're healed tomorrow, It's going to be cool for like the first week, you know what I mean? Maybe the first two weeks, but, but now what, right? Like it's, so now what? Because now you're, are you going to brag about how you've been healed from MS for as long as you've been complaining about why it's been holding you down? Or are you going to move on to the next thing and improve yourself? Like what's the decision going to be? Because it's going to get old. You know what's new becomes old. I remember when a 2005 Chrysler 300 was the dopest shit in the world, and I watched them tow that shit from my parking lot as a donation. Right? Like it's things don't hold the same value over time. So what are you gonna do?
0: Ugh.
1: What you gonna do with your now, and how you gonna do it to improve your tomorrow?
0: Oh, that. That's a perfect way for us to draw this conversation to a close because hey. you and I and have talked for hours. Hey. Is there anything else you want to say to people who are listening today?
1: Yeah, um, do the hard shit. and it's okay to do it in private. But practice, practice the practice the positive behavior. Like it's, I know it's easy to be angry um but that's that's all temporary it's all temporary it can be it can be yes but it also can be the other way yeah but you have more control over your your destination than, than i think you realize
0: beautiful well thank yeah. you sir for being here with us today hey. really hey.
1: appreciate it. thanks for having me
0: we'll see you again soon okay I hope so. Take
1: care.
0: Hey, bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. My hope today is that we can all reflect on Aaron's words of wisdom and one, understand that while going through hard times is never fun for any of us, we do have a choice in terms of how we view and deal with hardship. Two, that we understand the power of self-exploration in the areas of ego, mindfulness, mental fitness, spirituality, purpose and passion, resiliency, and woundology to illuminate our own areas of potential growth that we might not yet be aware of. And three, that we remember how special it is to forge deeply authentic relationships with others also on the journey. As humans, we're social animals and life is not meant to be lived in isolation. To continue this conversation with Erin, you are invited to attend this weekend's flock meeting on Saturday, March 2nd. Erin will be there for you to meet and chat with, so bring your questions. If you're not yet a Flock member, but would like to be, please join us. We are all people living with MS from around the world that meet via Zoom monthly to support each other and continue our learning on the episode topics. We also support each other through hardships and celebrate our successes together. You can learn more and join us by visiting our Patreon page. I'll also list all the resources spoken about in this episode there. If this conversation with Erin has you interested in learning more about the PQ Mental Fitness program, reach out as cohorts are being formed now to begin the eight-week program next month and later in the summer. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with MS-related questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another and honking our encouragement. As always, I thank you for listening and until next time, be well.